Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Man on the Post Weekend Review. My name's Chris and it's week nine in the Premier League. And as Dave's on paternity leave, joining me this week, it's Ali. Good evening, how are you? I'm not too bad, sir. Yourself? Yeah, very well, considering. Good, good, good. I say the international break is finally over, thank God. Hopefully there isn't another one for quite some time. I believe it's March, the next one, so... uh... No, November. Is there another one in November? Oh, yeah. Jesus! Thanks, Ellie. You just ruined my weekend. I was hoping. Yeah. This, I was hoping this was the last one of the year. Brilliant. Um, I'm, I could be wrong, so hopefully I am. But I'm pretty sure there's a there's a week, maybe for the the home nations, or either that's a qualifier. There's definitely games in November. Oh, great, great! <laughs> Cannot wait for that. Uh, right, so yeah, it's week nine in the Premier League and it started off with a bang, uh, not really. Uh, Everton and West Ham were the early game on Saturday. Um, Everton, who started the season quite well and then took a drastic uh, turn of form to go the opposite way. Uh, and West Ham, who started badly and then hit a good run of form. Uh, so these are basically the opposites of each other uh, at this point in the season. Obviously, uh, Everton came away with a 2-0 win thanks to goals from Bernard and uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson, who came off the bench after being dropped. Um, some interesting squad selections during this game. Do you see any of it, Ali? Uh, I've seen highlights of it. Um, I was working when the, the game happened, but I managed to catch most of it uh, when I got home. Okay. Uh, yeah, so Do- everyone's favourite, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, uh, started on the bench, but Moses Kian didn't actually make the starting lineup either. Uh, he sh- shuffled things around. I think Bernard and Richarlison were the, the, the advanced two, uh, with uh, Theo Walcott supporting. Uh, West Ham, interest, <laughs> West Ham, interestingly, uh, dropped Yarmolenko, who's been their form player uh, coming into the international weekend. Uh, he was on the bench as well, uh, but he came on at half time. Uh, didn't have much of an impact though. Um, the only really thing I've got about this game, apart from, apart from the goals, uh, say Singerson scored a, a, from outside the area in injury time, as he normally does, uh, was. The, the, both goalkeepers had a pretty decent game. Both both goalkeepers, uh, Roberto for West Ham and Pickford for Everton, you know, made some quite decent saves. Yeah, I mean, it was a, I thought it was a fairly entertaining game, um, fairly fairly open, which obviously led to the the goalkeepers having the games they did. Which West Ham probably needed that from their goalkeeper. Oh, it didn't help the result, uh-huh. but obviously Fabianski has been so important to them, and they've been really shaky since he went out with injury. So. Having the game individually, he did. Mm-hmm. Then I think it's helped. Yeah, uh, Bernard's goal quite interesting. Uh, I think you could you could it looked like he'd he'd missed the chance basically when he took that extra touch and then just managed to poke it in. Yeah, uh, it was just it was, again pretty sloppy, wasn't it? But again, it's it's the one thing we're critical of Everton pretty much every time we talk about them is not having a 
a goal scorer, like mm-hmm. that clinical one. Um, so we can only put it down to that, really. Um, and obviously, we, we, Moise Keane still can't get a game, even with the the, the Lord and Saviour not getting a game. Yeah. Um, I don't know what hope he's got for the season, personally. Yeah, yeah it's strange. Sil- I say, Silva made a number of changes in this team, and I say, Kian, or Keane, however you want to say it, um, he just seems to get 10 minutes here and there. I don't know if he played for Italy uh, during the international break or anything like that. I'm going to guess he, he probably didn't because he's not been getting minutes in the Premier League. Surely it's got to be harder for him to settle in, though, hasn't it? I think we, I think me and Dave discussed this the other week. He, you know, he, he's a young lad. He's coming into a new league, a team that's struggling. He, it's, he's going to find it very difficult to settle in. And do we now suddenly end up, you know, come January, do we end up with like a... A problem that Everton have had with strikers in the past, where they're not being played, and then suddenly they want to leave. Like Tosin, um, they've had several strikers who they've had in. They haven't had the minutes, and then suddenly they're either stuck with them or they send them out on loan after six months. Yeah, but the last podcast you summed up well. I mean, you could understand if Everton had a striker who was playing well, mm-hmm. and it was hard to make changes. But I mean, they have got Carl Lewin, um, and Richarlison. We know is not our through the middle type striker mm-hmm. so you need to be giving him that you know five six games on the bounce um, he's not going to do any worse than what's playing yeah because they're not doing well in that area you know with Sigerson even though he takes a lot of flack somehow this season is still probably their most potent and creative player mm-hmm. uh, Calvert-Lewin and I don't know I, I, without knowing the status but I wouldn't imagine he's got more than five goals this season uh, I think um, I think he might have a couple more because he scored he scored he scored four in a week, didn't he? But two of them were against Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, that's right enough. So, but again, but it's not like standout. You know, as you say, it's not like he's he's behind a even like a Rashford, say, mm-hmm. you know, or like Giroud at Chelsea. You know, you, where you're getting that tried and trusted, so you can understand why the manager's sticking by them. But um, you do fear who signed Keane whether the manager wanted him. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we don't know that sort of thing, but it's very strange that he was such a highly touted-after player and it was a it was a big coup, everybody seemed to say, yeah. when Everton got him. But uh, you then do wonder, like I, I won't go into the attitude stuff that certain pundits make the comments on, but you do wonder what it is about the player that all of a sudden, you know, he's getting games in Italy and look, Serie A, yet can't get more than half an hour, say, at Everton who they're struggling in front of goal. Yeah, it's it's really strange to say because Everton create chances. You watch any of their games this season, they've created several chances. The only problem is they've got the likes of Theo Walcott on the end of those chances, you know, and Theo's finishing, okay, it's, it's probably his best point apart from his pace. It's not his greatest asset, I suppose, but, you know, well, I, I think I've just contradicted myself in one term, so. Um But yeah, he, he's finishing. He's pretty, you know he has been known to have good finishing, but again, he's another player who doesn't get a run of games and he doesn't play through the middle. You know, so I don't think for, out of all the players in the Everton squad, he's probably not one of the people you want on the end of your chances. He makes bad decisions, is what I was trying to say. Just um, yeah, because Walcott's finishing out of it feels when he's running with the ball. Uh-huh. You know, he's not like a in the box, right place, right time, yeah. first time shot kind yeah. of finisher. Definitely. Like Theo Walcott's very good at running with the ball and dancing around the player. He's got quite a nice finesse, mm-hmm. you know. But as like, the chances you mean is as the Everton the ball's always there in the box, and it's like you're maybe only getting one touch and shot, or yep. you know, 
even even half chances. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what that's what they're missing, as you say. And that, to me, that's what teams seem to from all. I can't say I watch many Serie A games, but I've seen a lot of highlights just because mm-hmm. this this boy was talked of very very highly. And as you say, you just from what I've seen, and you, you obviously and you and Dave are both of the same opinion. You just feel he should be getting much more game time. Yeah, I don't and... know what. 10-15 minutes at the end of the game is ever going to help yeah that's it I think Everton play a like a high tempo pace you know the way Arsenal played the way mm-hmm. Liverpool and City play that you could say okay maybe he's training them for that tactical side so I don't have yeah it's a, it's a concern even for the players you know? mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's got to be weird as a fan you know Everton if I was an Everton fan I'd be, I'd be saying okay because I know that I know that the fans aren't keen on silver and whatever you know, but not playing your big money signing isn't going to help. Like at least, at least if Kian was playing and playing and he wasn't doing well, at least you know you don't have the fans going. Well, we spent thirty million or whatever on a striker, and you're not even playing him. You know, it's 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 an arrow that the fans can't fire at you. You know, you take that chance on him. It's like he can't be any worse than, than what they've got going on up front at the moment. Yeah, that see that to me, that's the biggest thing. It's not even not playing him. It's it's not like people are playing well in front of them. Mm-hmm. Like you can keep a player out of the team. I'm I'm more than happy for a hundred million player not to get game time if the person who he's meant to be replacing is holding his own. Yeah. But if they're not setting the world on fire, and, and Everton have been a bit rocky as of late. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so this was their first win in five games, I think. Yeah, I just I just feel like I can understand if you're sticking by your, you know, if you've got a tried and trusted Calvert Lewin, your go to for a couple of games but it's still not working you need to make changes and then as you say this week he makes a change and it's Richarlison and Walcott he goes with as the leading ones which are tried and tested not to work mm-hmm. you know we know they're not both they're not great through the middle it's the reason Walcott never got never wanted to stay at Arsenal you know because yeah. he just couldn't get that game tied down the middle and let's be fair Arsenal Wenger knows a lot more about tactics and about players than you know 90% of the world population mm-hmm yeah, I say, and it's 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 weird that uh, you know, obviously he, he's tried this, he's brought these players in, and and then got a win, which you know, well, so, which I suppose kind of vindicates him in a way. Uh, right, we'll move on then to the other Saturday games. What we're talking about informed strikers. Uh, we'll go on to Leicester, who hosted Burnley at the King Power Stadium. It was one year since the tragedy uh, that befell their chairman and four other people in that awful helicopter crash. I won't even begin to pronounce his name though. Um, yeah, no. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, Jamie Vardy continued his blazing scoring streak since Brendan Rodgers took over. I think since Rodgers took over, I think I've wheeled this stat out before, he scored more Premier League goals than anybody else. Um, and yeah, I, I wonder if he's using that goal bonus to pay his wife's phone bill. Um, Burnley, <laughs> Burnley had an equaliser ruled out for seemingly no reason after... Uh, Chris Wood uh, dared to be in the same place as Johnny Evans. Uh, but yeah, Leicester coming away with a 2-1 win after goals from, say, Jamie Vardy and Yuri Tillmans. Um, what did you make of the uh, goal being ruled out? I actually missed this. Um, okay. just, it was just when you were talking about um, i only seen the highlights of this, obviously, this morning. And I didn't see that one. So, um, But it's been a up-and-down weekend for VAR, shall we say, okay. um, this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, I mean, what happened? And uh, why was it disallowed? So, basically, uh, the ball... I'm trying to remember now. So, the ball comes across. Uh, Wood gets a touch. Uh, Evans is between him and the goal. 
Uh, Evans is running towards the goal. And suddenly Evans trips and falls. He hits the ball off his chest as he falls and the ball goes in. Ball was going in anyway uh, and whatever. Uh, obviously Wood celebrates. Looks like the goal's been given. Uh, turns out VAR reviewed it. And as they've, as Wood has hit the ball um, and the Johnny Evans is running to clear the, like get back to the ball on the goal line, Wood ever so slightly catches his foot. It's like the very smallest of touches. Obviously, Evans goes down. I don't think Evans would have cleared the ball, even if he hadn't touched him. Uh, but obviously, he protested, and VI looked at it and overturned, overturned the decision and, and didn't give the goal. Uh, we'll come on to other soft VAR decisions later on, I imagine. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's one of them. I think if VAR hadn't been there, the goal would have been... You know, the goal. the referee was happy to give the goal. And, you know... I think if the referee had probably looked at it, because again, we'll talk about referees not looking at the monitors. I'd, I'd probably say he wouldn't. Have, he would, wouldn't have given the foul. He just stuck to his original decision. Um, but yeah, it was it was much of a muchness. Yeah, it sounds it sounds a strange one. I'm, I'm the more and more VAR gets involved, I'm I'm, I'm feeling that, that it should only get involved with the hand the handball rule because obviously they've brought that into play. And offside, I believe that's the only two things uh-huh. it should get involved in now because there's no clear answer to this clear and obvious error um, by the referee. And again, I think somebody said that they're not going to call out their own mates. You know, they're not going to start overturning everything and make it look like the referees are doing a bad job, like which we know most are. Um, so, I mean, that's my opinion of that. I mean, we know it'll not change, but... It seems every sport and every other league can get it, you know, much more crisp than us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think, I mean, I just don't think we're ever going to, we're never going to agree on it, are we, as fans? Yeah, as it, fans anyway. it's just strange how VAR, it seems to have perfected the offside decisions, you know, down to like the tiniest of millimetres and stuff like that. But everything else, it, it, it gets completely wrong. It 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 it's, yeah. it's it's really really strange. I I I don't understand it. You know, and I, I, I think uh, the, the hardest as you said about the about referees not going looking at it. Yeah, that's what I would like to see more of. It's okay, another referee, but the, the other referees aren't wanting to turn, you know, make the referee look bad. Yeah, why not have the referee just quickly go and look at a monitor? We're yeah. waiting to want sometimes up to two minutes anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, they they have they have so they have they have the facilities to do it, and uh, apparently in one of the games, I can't remember which game it was, but I remember seeing an interview of a manager. They were like, "Oh, before the game, the referee made a big deal of if I have to go to the monitor and check something, I will," and then didn't. And I know during like when they tried it during the Women's World Cup and stuff like that, uh, you, when you could, you know you, they showed what was happening, you could hear that what the. Um, the VAR referees were saying to the referee and stuff like that. There were instances where the, the, the VAR referee would turn around and go, right, you might just... It wasn't your decision, you need to change your decision. It was just basically, you might want to just have a look at that. And, you know... It's, well, that's it's, it. Yeah, have a look yeah, for, a referee, I mean, as a, as a referee myself, obviously, and then just recently passed again, mm-hmm. like, we see things from one angle in a second. Yeah. Like, as part of the exam that we've done, some of the videos, you know... We're watching this video. We can pause it and rewind it and, you know, keep watching. And I'm still not agreeing with decisions that, you know, that UEFA want me to give. Yeah. And that's me looking at many angles, many speeds, and 
These are these guys are literally getting, you know, a millisecond where they might not be at the perfect angle. We can't expect them to be perfect. And that's been my always my biggest criticism over over VAR. You know, it's going to highlight, you know, and it's going to make refs look stupid sometimes. Mm-hmm. But if the referee's then looking at it himself, so he can see, then he's given the chance to say, look, i never seen it like that. I hold yeah. my hands up. Let's change it. It's not a mistake. You know, he's not made a mistake here. Yeah, he's getting extra information just, to help him. Yeah, that's it. I mean, and surely that's what we want in the world. We want to give him as much information before we make a decision ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, like, it's, just, it's really strange. They're, they're making the referees, you know, it's making worse on the referees overall. You know, they're going to get even more abuse now because we can see all the the replays, we can see all the instances and there's no changes getting made. And that's where the uproar is going to be completely and it's going to get even worse, I feel, for referees over the whole course of the season. Yeah, it's a, it's really, it's just the, the use. I say we'll probably talk about it more during this show. It's just, it's just really, really strange. Uh, Leicester, though, I say having an absolutely great season. Uh, I say again, I think it's something we mentioned on the last show. They're in a better position now in the league than they were when they won the Premier League a couple of seasons ago, uh, sitting third. Uh, they're two points behind Man City. Uh, I think that I think. You know they'll strip down to fourth if Arsenal win tomorrow night, uh, which you know probably unlikely. Uh, but yeah, they're having an absolutely great season, and and they look like a threat. You know they they played they were good against Liverpool. They haven't lost to anyone outside the top six uh, this this season. Doing really really well. I, I think they could have a really good season. What do you think? Yeah, I mean I hate giving them credit due to their manager. But yeah, yeah, I hate Brendan Rodgers as well. They they absolutely are. You know they they're good going forward. Which is a very strange thing, but it's a bit, they're not poor defensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, so now Wes Morgan's not playing. Defender. Um, it's just, yeah, it's very impressive. The one thing I will say on them is I don't think Thielman's actually gets enough credit mm-hmm. for how good, how important he is. It seems to be all the plaudits seem to go to Madison a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and I think Thielman's is the one, you know, who's crucial to them like if they were to say miss a player yeah um, but you know you, you know what you're getting in Vardy they've got rid of Morgan they've they've not really lost anything in selling Maguire apart from gaining 80 million mm-hmm. Schmeichel's a, a, a more than competent goalkeeper mm-hmm. uh, and even squad depth's not you know it's not ridiculously bad mm-hmm yeah, they, 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 seem, they seem to they seem to look like they, they've got enough to at least, at least challenge for top six, I believe. And the way, let's well, the way Barn today, the way United have performed, Spurs are going. Um, there's no reason why they can't cushion. Like, I, I still think Arsenal, are, you know, can be up there in top four. So, and Chelsea, there's no reason they can't be pushing these guys if they can start pulling the odd result against the top six because they're consistent enough against the. Uh, Against the rest, yeah, definitely, I I agree. Uh, Burnley, so they they still stay eighth. They've had a decent start to the season. Obviously, Sean Dyche wasn't happy um, about about this game. I think it was him that mentioned the um, interview, uh, the bit where the referee said he'd go and check the screen. You know, now I think of it. Um, but yeah, apart from that, there, there wasn't really much more that happened in the game that I noticed from the highlights I saw. Um, but say. Both of them still doing pretty well. I think I said Leicester going on to a really good season. Uh, on to the rest of the three o'clock then. Uh, Aston Villa versus Brighton. Weirdly, this was the opening game on match of the day. Uh, I'm still not sure why. Uh, Villa coming away 2-1 winners. Um, again, 
me and Dave have spoken about this week in, week out, apart from maybe a couple of weeks where there was a change. Brighton, very attacking, especially given that they were the away team in this, and they were down to 10 men for the majority of the game after Aaron Moy was sent off for, for two silly yellow cards, really. Um, but yeah, really good game. Uh, goals from Webster, open scoring for Brighton, uh, Jack Grealish and Matt Target with a 92nd minute winner, I believe it was. Uh, yeah, gave Villa the win. You see much of this one? I, I, just the highlights that are on the, the Sky Sports page. I didn't see much of Saturday. It was a silly shift for myself. But um, I think, yeah, yeah, you called it spot on with the Brighton. You know, they've been very, very attacking. It's like mm-hmm. they're, they're trying to prove a point to the last couple of seasons. Um, I thought they were they were good. I, I mean, Moy definitely let them down. Such stupid, stupid, you know, booking and then the, the red card. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Aston Villa have been very impressive this season yep. for coming up um, I know they're not everybody's cup of tea but um, I think Grealish has never I've never been a biggest fan of him but he's been he's been excellent this season along with McGinn in the middle of the park mm-hmm. um, and they'd be definitely up there you know for a lot of teams if they were looking at you know viable options if, I mean I don't think Aston Villa will go down but um, there'd be definitely options there for you know your top halves um, and even like a, a like an Arsenal, you know, Arsenal needs somebody like him again, you know, in the middle of the park. And Grealish has obviously been linked with Spurs for years. I just, I'm really impressed with with Villa more so than than anybody this season, um, just because I didn't expect it, I guess. Yeah, so Grealish has really impressed me. He's always struck me as like that flair player, you know, and you expect them to to have that streak where you know they're you know they're a bit lapsidaisical when it comes to the defensive work and stuff like that. Grealish isn't that type of player at all. Obviously, he's a Villa fan. He loves the club. He's had plenty of opportunities to leave and hasn't. Um, he stuck with them when they got relegated. And but he's back winning tackles. He's making the play. He's getting on the end of things in the box. He's he's literally everywhere. It's like it's kind of like Roy the Rovers kind of stuff for him, I think. And yeah, I, I don't think he'd no, leave if he. Got, I don't think if he got the chance to leave, he would. And, and you know, unless something happened that you know ruined his relationship with with the, with the manager or something. But he's he's king of Villa Park, and you know they they love him. The fans do. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't, I, I can see him, him staying there and then building the team around him. And if they do, he can be a real threat. He brings other players who, you know, not necessarily great players into the game and stuff. Like, he set up Matt Target's winner brilliantly. It was a great ball out to him. You know, he made the run to and allowed Target to get the space and then just flicked it on for him to run in and smash into the into the, into the the goal from the angle. You know, he, he's the sort of player that imp- would improve any team. Yeah, my, I mean, my biggest worry for him is whether he looks good as a, you know, the big name. The mm-hmm. big player in the small on sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I um, and if he was to go to a bigger club, would he be overshadowed? But yeah, he, from the highlights I seen, he was. I think he was involved in every clip. Yeah, you know that they shown. Um, and I mean, I think I could be mistaken, but didn't he get in a bit of bother maybe a couple of years ago? You know, off-field antics and that. I think now that kind of gone away. Mm-hmm. You know, he seems to have screwed the head down and he's back focused. Um, and I, I imagine, I mean, without seeing much in the championship last year, that he was crucial, you know, in their promotion charge. So, and as I say, this season he's been, he's been outstanding. Um, he's, you know, and you could probably ha- arguably have him in the, the team of the season so far in that middle of that park. Yeah. I, I, when you think all the players that are around. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so, uh, yeah, he has had his problems off the field. Uh, it's it's being in Birmingham. I'm not sure how much of it you, you you hear quite a lot. I'm not sure how much of it's true because obviously there's Blues fans here and stuff like that. He he still does have a reputation of being a bit of a party boy and stuff like that. Very similar to the way Jack Wilshere did at Arsenal and yeah. stuff like that. Um, you know, but if he's performing on the pitch, you know that's that's yeah, where, that's where he's doing yeah. that's where he's doing his talking. You know. Um, but yeah, I say you, you mentioned how he'd perform in like a big club. Like, that's going to be another factor. I generally, I, I generally, I'd be really surprised to see him leave Villa. You know, because I say he he's the king of of, of Birmingham, really, and stuff like that. He, you know, it's his his boyhood club. He's playing for him. He's playing really well. He's got a good chance of being in in the England team. You know, Southgate was watching this game at the weekend. I can't think of who else he'd be there to watch. You know, at Villa Brighton. You know, so no, absolutely. My my only argument to that is it depends on what your aspirations are and your, you know, your career prospects because mm-hmm. you know you're not going to win much with Villa. Yeah, yeah but if he's if he yeah. if he's going to get picked for inter, you know, as an international and stuff like that, for, oh, say, for some for some players it's enough, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. So it, it comes down to like, what do you really, what do you aspire to more? You know, winning stuff with your country. Or Champions League, say, because that's really what it comes down to, isn't mm-hmm. it? That's yeah, probably that is your dream of as a child. So, you know, I I like the story of players staying where they are, but what I would like for what I like from young players, I don't want them to outgrow Villa and then just stay there out of loyalty. Yeah, I'd like to see them progress. You know, if the Villa sit as that say that 14, 13, 14, 15 position type club, and you've got him their Player of the Year every season and. How long before it starts eating away at him? Yeah, the Letizia effect, you know, basically. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, whilst it's it's commendable, I always want to see young players go out. And, and it's the same with young players at any of the big clubs. If, you know, if they're not getting game time, like a Sancho did, you know, go abroad and, you know, test yourself sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's one of those... It's what, I just want to see him keep performing because he's definitely proved me wrong because he came across... Like as you say, that player, player the, the you know, just that cocky kid. Yeah. But as you say, he gets stuck in, and and that's that's what you want. You know, if you've got a player with flair, but who can also do the dirty work as well, then you know you're 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 on a winner right away. Yeah, definitely. I say Brighton. I say as attacking as they were, Matt Ryan kept them in the game. I say Villa were an attacking team in their own right as well. Uh, but Matt Ryan, as he has done in in previous seasons, really, really made some crucial saves and kept them in. Uh, but I think I think Brighton fans will be really happy with with how they've played this season. Uh, let's see where they are in the league. So they are 16th at the moment. Um, you know, just outside the relegation zone. But I think I think they'll pick up a few more points. That, you know, especially playing against if they play this way against the, the teams in and around them. Uh, there's definitely points there to be picked up. Uh, on to the rest of the Saturday's games. There's only a couple left to go. Uh, Newcastle visited Stamford Bridge. Uh, our, our very own Ryan was there to to see it. Um, didn't look like the greatest game in the world. Um, but Chelsea made it five wins in a row now under Frank Lampard, uh, with Marcus Alonso scoring the winner in a one 0 victory against an unchanged Newcastle team who kept the exact same starting lineup as they did from their win against Manchester United. Um, Newcastle looked quite resolute at times, but Chelsea had all of the play. What do you make of this one? You summed up very well, yeah. Newcastle defended quite honourably at times. Um, I've seen one clip by the goalkeeper of Newcastle make an outstanding save. Yeah, Dubravka uh, made quite a few good saves, to be fair. Yeah, um, but it was like 
you know, it was one of those games you felt if Newcastle had got one, they maybe could have held on, but it was always looking likely Chelsea were going to score. You know, they just, as you say, they were just pushed forward all the time. They didn't create many clear-cut chances, although mm-hmm. Keeper made a few good saves. You know, nothing were... You wouldn't see any were sitters in a way. Yeah. Um, but Chelsea are just quietly going about their job, aren't they? Mm-hmm. It's quite scary in a way. Yeah, so it is. So uh, Abraham had a, had, a, had a couple of half chances. Uh, Hudson Odoi had a good game playing out wide on the left. Uh, Pulisic came off the bench for a change uh, and seemed to seemed to look quite lively uh, as well. So yeah, it, it was as Chelsea played quite a slow, methodical game, which they did last season, which got labelled very boring. Uh, but in, you know, but again, in this game, from what I saw. Um, it was quite clever, some good patient play against against a Newcastle team who who were set up for a draw, basically, which which is what Bruce does against the bigger sides away from home. Really, you know, he doesn't want to lose, does he? Um, so while you can say, oh yeah, Chelsea had all the play and stuff, I, you know, Newcastle fans, I wouldn't be too disappointed. We go, we're going and losing one 0 at Stamford Bridge. What do you think? No, yeah, absolutely. I think Newcastle under Steve Bruce, like. I think the 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 top six mm-hmm. any points are a bonus in a way. Yeah, as you say, they're set. And it's not just under Steve Bruce to be fair. If you remember, remember Rafa set up like that as well. Yeah, yeah, Rafa did it a lot. Yeah, but I mean, the only thing I would say Rafa's probably a bit more tactically astute. That they're they're a bit more fluent on the counter attack than than Bruce. Whereas Bruce literally is happy with the you know the the point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think there's nothing to be disheartened with this performance with Newcastle. You know, if, if this is the performance you're putting in against our, you know, our, your Brighton, your Sheffield United, that's more of a concern. Mm-hmm. But to lose one 0 at Stamford Bridge against Chelsea, who, as I just said, are quietly going about their job very well this season, um, then yeah, there's nothing to be. The only worrying thing is, it's just goals. I don't see where goals are going to come from from Newcastle. Yeah, that that, that was um, their thing. Dave's mentioned it a few times, obviously losing Rondon, who was who was perfect for this system. Mm-hmm. Um, is it Maximilian? Is that his name? Uh, Max Maximina or some San Maximina uh, or something like that. Um, he looks lively. Uh, the the other uh, attacker they bought, I can never remember his name. Joe Linton. Joe Linton. That's the one. Um, again, look lively, but again, just they're not potent enough, and that's the biggest concern mm-hmm. as a Newcastle fan. I think defensively, I think they can always look fairly solid. I, I really like their goalkeeper. He's prone to the odd silly error in a way, but you know, generally he's probably he's probably their best player at times. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the only other talking point from this game is there was a well, Newcastle who could quite easily claim there was a foul in the build up to the winner. I think it was uh, Jorginho flattened one of the Newcastle players. The referee didn't give it. VAR reviewed it. Didn't say anything. Ooh, I can't think of it when they build up, but I don't think there was of all the VR points I marked down. That wasn't one yeah, of them. Yeah, this this wasn't one of them. Yeah, that's the thing. There was there were, there were others. So while we're talking about VAR, then we'll move on to t- the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, where Spurs entertained bottom of the table Watford, and you would be hard pressed to to judge that Watford were the team that were bottom of the table. Looking at this performance, um, Spurs made seven changes after their 
um, form pre-international break where they conceded 10 goals in their last two games. Um, Delhi Alley coming in for his first start in quite a while. Uh, Watford made a few changes. Danny Welbeck started. He lasted about 90 seconds before going off injured in the most Welbeck thing of all time. Um, Watford went ahead through uh, Decore within six minutes and literally had all of the play. Spurs were awful. Did you see any of this one? I I was listening to this on the like the the Sky Sports thing on a Saturday, mm-hmm. so I literally made sure I went and got a stream to watch this. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you're supposed it's like everybody's given up. Yeah, they, they were just watching watching players walk through them. Yeah, to think Watford, as you say, are bottom of the league. Um, this game was just, as you say, it looks like Watford are the team. We were up there, you know. They were the only ones. They had energy. They were, they were, they bullied Spurs in a way. Yeah, yeah. There was, there was the one moment where, um, oh, I think it was Decore again, uh, where Ali, uh, he kind of touched the ball as the ball came in. He like, so he intercepted it. It bounced a yard away from him, and he just stopped and watched it. And Decore literally ran between him and Harry Winks, and was through on goal pretty much. It was just like it was very like. It was schoolboy, if you know what I mean, from, from Spurs. Yeah. I, I don't get it. Just very pathetic, isn't it? It's very. It's, it's, it's the, the only thing I can say is, it is like Pochettino and all the players have just kind of given up. Yeah, it's just it's so poor. It's it's unbelievable to be honest. Considering like for the last three four years, I mean, I've said the Spurs team were on paper one of the best in the league. Yeah, even I've said that. Um, I'm, a, I'm an Arsenal fan. It just, you know, they had the depth. They were so solid defensively. That included having Luis in goal, which is unreal. Yeah. You know, as much as I hate Harry Kane, he's a goal scorer. And, mm-hmm. and it fit along with what they did. But the cracks started appearing when probably last, was it, was it before last season? But certainly, you know, midway through last season, they, they just started looking very lacklustre. And it just got worse and worse. And, I really thought the start of this season, you know, they kept the players, um, they signed a couple, obviously, and then yeah. Dombley, and I was like, all right, okay, here we go, stadium's done, but it just looks, it looks like a new manager's come in, in a way, you know, and there's no identity yet. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like the, it's like the Man United issue, you mm-hmm. feel like, the, the leadership's gone, you know, it's all great King Harry, but there's no one there and obviously Alderweire's kind of you know not reaching the end because he's, he's not that old but his better days are behind him mm-hmm. uh, they've, they've dismantled obviously that, that back four as much as I don't like Walker and and Rose and all that but you know it's all dismantled now and you mm-hmm. just wonder how much it's having an effect but I really just I'm not, I'm not concerned obviously but it's a very strange thing that's going on there just now yeah it's weird it's a I've, We've, I've said this before, I genuinely feel that um, Pochettino doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want half the players in that squad. I, you know, I don't. He, he doesn't rate Danny Rose, yet he has to play him because he has nobody else. Um, he, he's, he's had issues with both Fatongan and Alderweireld. Again, he's got no one else to replace them. Um, Ericsson, I think he's minding other places. Deli Alli, I don't think he's good enough. As a, I don't think he's a team player at all. Obviously, he popped up here and scored a uh, he scored a very good um, equaliser, um, but I don't think he's a 
I don't think he's the sort of player you want in your team when you're not when you're not performing well. And Harry Kane has been practically anonymous in every game he has played this season, and I'll include the international games for this. You know, I think in the international game against the Czech Republic, he was England's man of the match. I don't recall him doing anything, uh, really. Uh, I think he scored, didn't he score a penalty? Or something? Yeah, against, 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 against the Czech Republic. Yeah, but, you know, I saw the, the match ratings for that game. They gave him like 8 out of 10 when everyone else was getting 4s and 5s. I don't recall him doing much. Uh, and obviously against Bulgaria, I reckon I could have had a run in to get man of the match in that game. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's he's been a passenger and, you know, I think it's it's going to be hard for the players who 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 are still there and are still interested in playing. But what it does seem like, you've, yeah, you've got a lot of individuals who don't want to be there. They're just going through the motions. Get me out of here. You know, the manager's going to go at some point uh, and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's 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 all very messy. And this is the team that were chanting about being the you know the second best team in Europe a few weeks ago. It's 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 absolute madness. I don't get what has gone so wrong. Obviously, as an Arsenal fan, it's fucking fantastic to see. But it, it's really, really weird how they've just completely dropped out of it. I think that they're still in the top half of the table somewhere. They're still seventh in the league. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're not playing well at all, are they? No, they really look like a... They're not even like a newly promoted team because they usually show some fight. Mm-hmm. They're like that. You know the way Stoke were for years? You know, yeah, they just yeah. felt they knew they were never going to get relegated. You mm-hmm. know, they, they feel like that. You know, they're not going to be in trouble if they should bottom half. Mm-hmm. They're always going to gather enough points, but they just they certainly don't look like they're going to be a European team. Mm-hmm. You know, challenging and for I mean, you only get five automatic places, don't you? Yeah. Um, and I really don't see them in the the top six, shall we say? Mm-hmm. I mean, well, maybe actually Man United are that far down, but as we we just mentioned Leicester, for example. Like, Leicester looked like a Champions League team if you're considering Spurs are in the Champions League. Yeah. You know, if you do tit-for-tat comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, there's no one... You know how you always look at a team and you think, would you take that player in your team or in another team? Right now, I wouldn't be looking at Spurs for any team in the league to say, you know, he could go there and improve. Mm-hmm. Sort of thing. I mean, obviously, you could always say Harry Kane because he scores goals, but I... Everybody knows my opinion on Harry Kane. He's a great goal scorer, but I think he's a terrible football player. <laughs> and this season's proven my point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so even, you... even even if I'm wrong and exaggerating it, this season, bar penalties, how many open play goals has he scored? So I can't recall or, any, really. Or assisted. You know, there's games... I mean, don't get me wrong, I think you mentioned it, maybe the last podcast or the one before you and Dave did, you know, Harry Kane was quite good off the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are few and far between. Yeah. And even for England, as you say, he's getting eights and eights and a halves, but it's only because he scores a penalty. Yeah. I can score penalties. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it, it is a skill, but it's not... I'm contradicting myself saying it's not difficult. As a striker, <laughs> you're 12 yards out. Your job is to score goals. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm like 18 stone and could probably score nine out of 10 penalties, even against a professional goalkeeper, I fancy my chances. So Harry Kane, who does this for a living, getting paid, you know, 150 grand a week or whatever, should be finding it pretty easy. Yeah, there's, there's just no motivation there. So I just had a look at the table as well. So saying that Spurs are seventh, which I'm quite shocked at, they are only three points off the off seventeenth. 
That's how that's how tight the the table is at the moment because of all the you know the the drops in forms. Um, the thing is as well, you're playing against a Watford team here. Watford team have been really really poor this season, uh, bar the game where Arsenal gifted them a point. Um, <laughs> Spurs are coming off the back of an international break where most, I think, quite a few of their players missed international games through injuries or not not being called up through form and whatever as well. They've conceded 10 goals in their last two games, including being battered by Brighton before the international break. You're playing the team low on confidence, bottom of the league. This was a real time for them to go out and set down a marker and they come out and they, they put in the most lack. I, I don't recall seeing a team looking so beaten in a Premier League game at this stage of the season ever. This was like, this was like the sort of performance you see when there's nothing up at stake whatsoever. They were just so... I've been to testimonials where there was more, uh, you know, more fight in the players. Yeah, that's a good analogy. It's kind of like that last game of the season when both teams are safe, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and that's it. You know, what Watford, you know, you could tell Watford wanted to win it, they, you know, and they had their chances. Um, the best thing is, because of how bad Spurs were, we've probably missed talking about most of the decent talking points. Um, Watford probably should have had a penalty for the mul- yeah. multiple fouls on Delefeu. You know, I think I think Vertonghen had, what, three, four goes at him? Yeah, I mean, I can understand the referee not giving most of them, but the one where he slides it, then literally lifts his leg, yeah, hooks him eight nine inches and trips him up and hooks him. I, I, I can't believe that which went to VAR and wasn't overturned. Yeah. Like I could understand if he just slid right through, and you're just seeing that as maybe an accidental. But he he deliberately trips the player up. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the clearest one I've seen. Do you think players go in knowing that VAR is not going to overrule the decision? Obviously, they don't know if the referee is going to give it or not, but. You can kind of tell you. You usually have a rough idea if where with something like that, the referee wouldn't have had the best view of it anyway. So ordinary if VR didn't exist, you'd think oh, I might get away with this because the referee ain't going to see it. But VR hasn't overturned a single penalty not given this season, which which I find ludicrous because there's been so many examples where where they should have been done. This one being the the, the big one. Do you think players know that? Because you'd think with VAR, players would be a lot more cautious. Yeah, uh, yeah, 100% it has to. Maybe not deliberately. It's like that subliminal. Mm-hmm. You know, the more and more you're getting away with or the more and more they're watching, because that's where your footballers are watching match a day mm-hmm. or some form, the same as we are. And if they've seen it happen regularly, they're going to go, well, why not? It's not until they... I think not until they get pulled up for it mm-hmm. is before they're going to stop, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're pulling a player in the box and you keep getting away with it, it's not until you get, you know, caught by VAR or by our referees before you start thinking twice. So until that happens, why should they be cautious? Yeah. In a way. And um, while we're giving it to VAR, this was ridiculous. So when Deli Ali equalised, there was a VAR review for handball. Uh, it hit him on the shoulder, I believe. Although there is uh, some debate on where the shoulder starts and the well, the shoulder ends and the arm starts. Um, referee gave the goal. VAR reviewed it. Uh, VAR re- communicated to the referee that he could give the goal, carry on, but on the big screen it came up no goal, and, and it just it just made okay, it's a silly mistake, but when VAR is so under the microscope, it just it doesn't help <laughs> yeah. its cause at all, does it? It's not what they need. <laughs> yeah, so it was, this VAR was for the handball 
Yeah, by, so, by Ali. By Ali, yeah. So basically, as he right. controls the ball, he, he moves his arm up, as players do in that kind of position. So he's gone to move to chest the ball, basically. Uh, and it's basically hitting roughly, you know, with the Premier League badges? Yeah. It's kind of hitting around there, basically. I, you know, I, I did wonder, because all I've seen on Twitter all day today, and obviously with the certain Liverpool fans with VR today, mm-hmm. was complaining that that wasn't disallowed. Mm-hmm. I, I can't, I've watched it so many times that video, and I can't see why it would be. I actually thought it was for the maybe for a foul on Kane, is why they wanted to slide. You know, Kane kind of I think Kane maybe pushed the defender. Mm-hmm. You know, when he went up to challenge him, yeah, I could have understood if it was for that that mm-hmm. they were complaining about. But I just don't see how they can see that as a handball offence. Yeah, I oh. think I think it was more that if you if you look at it if you if you, if you look at it after. You see that his hand itself, as the after, I think it's after he chests it down, his hand kind of moves towards the ball. It doesn't hit it, but in real time, you might think his hand actually brushed the ball. Um, so I think that's what they were checking for. I don't think they were bothered about it where it hit him on the upper, on like his upper shoulder or anything like that. I think they were more his arm come, he's coming down and almost makes contact with the ball. That's what I think they were looking for. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, I, I didn't think it was similar to the one in today's game at all. Yeah, it's not like I I understand like the handball law, you know the the way it's changed now. It hits your hand at any point, but mm-hmm. that's not it's not even a handball offence, even if it's deliberate. Yeah, like, not, you know, not for me anyway. For me, it's got to be like middle of the bicep and below for yeah. it to be a handball. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's kind of that chest shoulder, so you need to look. If you put the ball in the middle of your sh- right on your shoulder, like in your armpit, say, you've got that the width of the ball, mm-hmm. you know, to get away. Yeah, and yeah, I think yeah, no, I get the it. The ball was worth, for me anyway. Um, I mean, other referees might look at it differently, but I, I did wonder what the uproar was, and I'm glad you clarified that for me. And that's what it was about. Because I watched it about volumes, so I didn't really, I didn't hear, you know, the commentators or that discussing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just assumed it's for the cane challenge, yeah, rather than the handball. But no, I couldn't see anything wrong with that one. Um, I thought actually Ali took the goal very well as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know it was a, it was a very good, good finish, and he's he he is the, he's that street kind of footballer, isn't he? You know, he, he's good at stuff yeah. like that. You know, I just don't think he's he's not. A, he, you'll never he'll never be a central midfielder for England if you know what I mean. Playing in a four four two, if if football was only yeah. played four four two, Dele Ali wouldn't get a game. Hundred percent, yeah, because he's not really got a position, has he? He's yeah. not really not really tactically aware and he doesn't mm-hmm. seem to have any positional sense mm-hmm. he's just that as you say the street footballer just runs about mm-hmm. very very Luis Suarez without talent yeah Jesse Lingard basically <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I Lingard's got at least football ability though Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure who I dislike the most out of those two. Uh, right, well, give... I quite like Ali as a person. No, oh, I, don't, I don't. He's just one of those faces that you'd punch over and over again. I'm sure he's a lovely fella. Uh, right, uh, we'll give VR a rest. Oh, oh, actually, no, we won't, because the next game's Wolves-Southampton. Uh, Wolves hosted Southampton uh, in the league. Um, yeah, Wolves had two goals disallowed for, uh, by VAR. Uh, one for handball, rightly. Um, yep. One for a Catroni offside, which I suppose when you look at it, his leg was offside. Um, Danny Ings uh, continued his scoring run for Southampton, scoring four goals in a row for the first time. I find that weird that a £20 million striker, and I'm sure he's gone for decent transfer fees in the past as well, uh, this is the first time he's scored four goals in, a, in, a, in the trot. 
Yeah, and he only scored oh, after after a, after after a defensive mix-up. To be fair, yeah, I'm I'm not surprised that it's the first time he scored four goals in a row of a month. Uh, but yeah, I mean, good Jimenez in this game, though, isn't it? I know, yeah. He, he, I don't know what he must have been thinking when he took that penalty. So yeah, Matt Doherty got fouled for a penalty. Uh, Jimenez, it took some balls for him to get up after having two goals disallowed. You'd think it's not your day, really, wouldn't you? And just be like, I'm not going to touch this. Uh, but I yeah. think I'm probably going to be asked to be substituted before that. I'm, <laughs> yeah. that, I'm that off the bit by that point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he stepped up, scored, scored the penalty, and, and that's pretty much it for this game. There wasn't that much. Uh, so VAR had, had its uh, had its day by ruling out the goals, but I don't think there were any mistakes. I just think you know when you see your team have two goals disallowed uh, after VAR decisions, it, you, you you're going to get a bit frustrated with it. And stuff like that. Yeah, just unfortunate. I mean, this is the good side of that. You mm-hmm. know, that's what we want. Which is mm-hmm. why it was brought in. I mean, as you say, I mean, you kind of laugh when you said it, and it's. I can understand people's frustration when it's just the big toe, say, you yeah. know, offside. But offside, offside, regardless. You yeah. Know, yeah. There's no. It's not like it's a soft foul, as you say. It's either a foul or it isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got them right, and as you say, it must just be horrible for them. But it was a very. I mean, it was a typical Wolves performance this season, this game. You know, just kind of flat on to deceive, stupid defensive errors. Yeah. Creating uh, chances, not taking them, unlucky with VAR. Um, it's, there's something missing from last season. I yeah, don't know what def- it is. definitely. I, I don't know if it's just teams might have worked them out a little bit, because they play the same system every week. Uh, you know, practically the same 11. You know, Doherty or, and Truro seem to, you know, interchanging and out of the squad. You know, obviously, Troy's had a really good season when he's played. You know what you're getting out of Doherty anyway. I was amazed to see... Did you see the run he made to win the penalty? Where he was jink, yeah. jinking around players like Lionel Messi. Yeah. I didn't expect to see that from him, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, so I, I think Wolves haven't really got going yet this season. But, so they're playing the Europa League as well. They haven't really added to their squad. So, you know, it's probably going to take a bit out of them. But, you know... I don't think they're going to be finishing the top six or even the top seven this season. Um, you know, but staying in the Premier League mid-table, it's where we expected them to be last season. So, you know, would you really deem it a, a, a failed season if they, you know, they, they look like they could, they've got a good cup run in them, you know, that sort of team, you know. that Yeah, it's second season syndrome, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, what they really need to do, if they can sit mid-table this season, you know, put a half-decent... Um, Europa League run, as you say, you got a cup run. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're, they're they're laughing. I mean, they do need to add to the squad. The problem with Wolves, I don't know who wants to go to Wolves when they don't change much, mm-hmm. unless they're not changing much because they don't have the players they want. Yeah. So it's that, you know, midst, um, especially when they're looking for big players, you know. <laughs> I'll pick this for Wills, certainly. Yeah, that's it. They've still got... You could probably argue they've still got a few championship players in in that squad. You know, I think Ryan Bennett... uh, Is it it Ryan Bennett? I think it is. He's played most games for Wolves this season. I think he went off injured in this game. Uh, I know they've been looking at bringing in other defenders. There's some some lad that... uh, uh, Benfica that they've been looking at is quite highly rated. A few big clubs after him as well. Obviously, they're still looking at Andre Silva... Who I'm not sure. I think he left Milan in the end, um, but I think he's gone on loan somewhere else and isn't doing so well. And they're still looking at him, perhaps. So I think there's players in that team that they wanted to replace and they just haven't yet. Um, 
So I wonder if they'll go back in from for January. But say if if they if they're still in the Europa League and you know they're still, you know, I say they're twelfth at the moment. Win a couple of games, they could be back in the top. They could be in the top six. You know, they could be an attractive prospect as a project for 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 a young player, I suppose. Which is the sort of players they're going after. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I as I say, I want Wolves to do well for some reason. I don't know why. I just want them to keep adding, you know, and keep growing. I quite like their manager. I quite like, you know, the way they're going about things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, but as a Wolves fan, it must be great. You know, they're living the dream in a way. Yeah, some some of them say it that way. Some of them are really unhappy that they're not in the top six. But that's a, that's another story. Uh, the last of the six, uh, the three o'clocks on the Saturday, there was Bournemouth against Norwich. Um, yeah, this was a game where neither team had kept a clean sheet in the Premier League this season, and Norwich had only scored once away and hadn't won any points. So it was pretty obvious this was going to be nil nil, and nothing seemed to happen in this game. So unless you've got anything to say about it, I'm quite happy to move on. They cost me £947.26 on a coupon. Did you pay it being 0-0? Did... I put both teams to score, obviously. Oh, OK. I'm not, I, I thought you were going to say you picked Bournemouth to win. I'm not sure why you picked no, both teams no. to score. But no, I say, yeah, no clean no sheets, no yeah. Sheet. Yeah, absolutely. I thought, oh, this is, this is the banker. Um, yeah, that's, that's the game that let me down. Yeah, I say very little seemed to happen in the highlights. I, I, um, I think I went, my recording of match of the day actually stopped midway through the highlights of this game. Um, so <laughs> I, I went on to that the... That had enough as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah basically. Uh, I went and checked the highlights on YouTube and I think I'd missed about 30 seconds. Um, but yeah, OK, we'll come on to what was today's game. Um, and depending on which channel you watched, if you watched Sky all week, or actually for the last two weeks, this was the only Premier League game taking place. Uh, I'm pretty sure they did exactly the same last season, this fixture. Now, um, before I go on to the actual game itself, Ali, you're a Liverpool fan, right? Mm-hmm. Is this still a big game, right? Because as far as I'm concerned, Man United-Liverpool is like Liverpool-Watford for me at the moment. It's not a big game. It mean, It doesn't mean what it did a few years ago. I know there's the the local rivalry and whatever, but does it deserve all like two weeks of build up like Sky have been giving it? Not on the TV. It's no. It's no. It's never going to be a big game for a neutral. I think. I think it's more Liverpool Man City now because you kind of know what you're going to get football and wise, and obviously Pep and and Klopp have kind of set a standard now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the points, the excitement, the goals, the the pressing. You know that kind of surpassed, but. I think for fans, especially fans of Liverpool and Man United, I think this is still the this is probably still the game of the season. Mm-hmm. I don't know a Liverpool fan who was who was confident of a win today. Okay, you know, on paper we should smash them. Yeah, um, that, that was what everyone was expecting. For, everyone by Liverpool fans. Yeah, in a way, <laughs> it seems. we Even, just know. You yeah. know, it's it's one of those if you if you were to rate players out of ten, position position. We are better than them in every single position now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it was going to be one on Man United. You know, it was going to be one of those games that we'd have seventy percent possession, twenty-four shots to three. De Gea plays his usual, you know, turns back into the best keeper in the world. They'd get a goal. We couldn't break them down, mm-hmm. um, and it, and it was almost like that. And and I just think for especially, I'm not hundred sure how Man United fans if they still feel. Like if they grow up, even though as bad as they've been, if they go into a Liverpool game, just be confident because we've never had a great record against them. Mm-hmm. Even now, I think our last five games at Old Trafford, 
with one three drawn two, which is which is not bad. But considering how poor Man United have been and how good we've been, mm-hmm. you know, none of them have ever been comfortable. If you want, you, know, you like, I'm I'm comfortable going into an Arsenal game now. Doesn't matter what form Arsenal are on and Liverpool are on. Mm-hmm. You, you guys seem to crumble against us. Yeah, definitely. You know. Where for years that didn't happen, mm-hmm. so I still have that confidence no matter how. But as Man United, as I say, we, we, I mean, me and you spoke about it, and we said in the, the WhatsApp group today that Liverpool have been terrible all yeah. season, bar, bar probably the Arsenal game. I say we're quite played quite well. Mm-hmm. Leicester, we were comfortable without playing well. So everything looked like it was kind of going to be the same, you know, play pipe poorly, do what we needed to do, take the three points, move on, but. Mm-hmm. It's just that I don't know. It's like Klopp. It's like the players. It's like I mean, the fans have got it. They've just got this. It's like we need to see a, a shrink, you know, um, uh, just to get mental help in these games to take the stigma mm-hmm. away. Like a hypnotist is what we need, sort of thing. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a very strange aura surrounding this game, and I don't think it deserves any credit because I can't remember the last entertaining game that's lived up to the. You know, even meaty challenges or uh-huh. exciting, tantalising football. They're but, very dull affairs, but when you're involved in the bubble, it's horrible. Yeah, I, I remember the days, you know, the, the, the you know, the Steven Gerrard game where he came on, he got sent off after 30 seconds, throwing himself into a tackle. You know, those sort of, you know, lively encounters, but... Yeah, this you know, Man United have been awful this season, and and obviously Sky, even during the international break, they were you know focusing on this game. They were advertising this game before the Super Sunday games, before the you know before the Man United Newcastle game two weeks ago. They were making a big deal about this, and then it you know, and they've got Man United fans on every day talking about it, and even Man United fans were like, "No, we're going to get smashed here. We're going to absolutely smashed. It's just going to be case. We're going to absolutely smashed." Okay, it finished one one in the end. Um, but yeah, I, I, Liverpool weren't weren't great. I think this is probably the best Man United have played, though. Um, I'm not actually convinced that Solskjaer set his team up to win, though, because he changed his system, didn't he, to like a three-five-two. I think he was thinking yeah. that Liverpool were going to be slightly better than they were. Obviously, we'd expect that, and I think he was setting up not to lose in kind of a Steve Bruce kind of way. I think it was more damage limitation, but then Liverpool came and didn't perform for whatever reason. And ended up, you know, Man United almost. You could argue they almost won the game. It was it was pretty late on when Lalana came off the bench and equalised. <laughs> I can't believe that sentence. I know, yeah. When, <laughs> I, when he was coming on, I remember sitting there thinking, "Why is he bringing Lalana on in this game? Like, you know, bring bring somebody on who's going to grab the game by the nuts." <laughs> you know, yeah. You, you should have seen our watch like the Liverpool WhatsApp group. That we have, wow! The the reaction to Alana coming on was like the game was the world was ending. <laughs> yeah, I can but, imagine, uh, uh, and and rightly so. I mean, Klopp Klopp gets it wrong a lot. Mm-hmm. Now he, he deserves a lot of credit. I'll I'll not take it away. And I, I think I said this before. Tactically, sometimes I'm, I'm not sure if it's arrogance or naiveness. Um and. You mentioned the other week, what does Jordan Henderson do? Mm-hmm. Klopp now just puts him in the team and, and he finds an area for him. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter how, but he's been, Henderson's been a great servant for us. Yeah, I love but Jordan Henderson, but recently, I, he's been awful. This season, yeah, this season he's been, and then today, obviously we didn't have Salah, so that's, 
where our squad then lets us down. We've got mm-hmm. no forwards, so we bring on, you know, the the statue that is uh, Derek Origi. <laughs> he goes off. Henderson went to right wing at one point. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? He has, he, has, he has played there before, but okay, about 10 years ago. That, that was when he had legs. Yeah. He doesn't have it anymore. And I mean, we signed Naby Keita for 50, 50-something million, okay? Mm-hmm. He can't, I mean, he's been injured and he's not had a lot of game time. But he's, once he gets to half-time, we're talking about Moyes Keane, you know, for Everton, and we're criticising the way he's been handled. Once Henderson gets to half-time and you realise it's not working, change it up. We're mm-hmm. losing one nil anyway. Keita came on. I think it was the last ten minutes, maybe maybe a wee bit longer. And all he did was demand the ball the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, he demand. Whereas John De Henderson never wants it, and then when he gets it, he gives it away. Yeah. You know, it's just there's no. I want to say there's no leadership. I feel I'm, I feel that you're criticising him in a way, but he's not that. And I'm not. I don't want to come out to Gerard either. And everybody knows I'm not Gerard's biggest fan. But Gerard always demanded the ball. Yeah. And that's what you need a centre midfielder to do. Mm-hmm. Whether it be whether it be Henderson, I'm I'm one Aldum's biggest critic for that. I, f- I feel he, he goes missing. And and this is where we lack. And I feel that's why Kato was signed. I feel that's why we signed uh, Chamberlain as well. Mm-hmm. Very positive when he came on as well. And I feel. We're just leaving these changes too late. You know, if we'd maybe made one of them, maybe at half time, maybe one sixty odd minutes, we could have gave ourselves a chance to take the game to United in that second half because it just didn't work. Whether it be Klopp's tactics, whether it be the team lineup, whether it be the occasion, um, it just didn't happen for us. And it's taken nothing away from United, as you say. They said, "Why wouldn't you come to play Liverpool nowadays? Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are." Why wouldn't you play for a point? The yeah. way Liverpool start the season, regardless of the performances, we've got maximum points. Mm-hmm. So that's Solskjaer's done the right thing, taking a point against Liverpool. They can't, the difference is, is if, I don't know who Man United have got next, but if they go, don't go and take maximum points in that game, a draw to Liverpool means nothing. Yeah. Apart from like bragging rights for the fans, because that that for like to me. I feel today. I feel like it's a loss. I don't care. If we stole the draw in the last minute. To me, it feels like a loss. Whereas to United fans, that's excellent. You know, mm-hmm. that's the point they needed. Or the fighting spirits back. You know, they'll go into the next game. You know, really up for it. And mm-hmm. Maybe Solskjaer's turning it around. So they need to build from that. Whereas we need to go in to training Monday morning saying, "Look, that was embarrassing." You know, we, what I feel Liverpool need to do, and they've not done. Like you know, play the big boy card. You know we are top dogs. That's not good enough. The way dare I say, like a Fergie, I, I can imagine would have done. Even like a, the the prime Mourinho, the Wenger. You know we're too good to draw teams like that. You know we're better. You know just you know just walk into it. Like just get a bit arrogance about you. Like, that's Man United. That's not Man United. Like the way who's I can't remember what it, uh, Pellegrini said it. Is he the West Ham manager? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when, when West Ham beat Man United, they're like, there's nothing to be fearful of this team anymore. Yeah. You know, if he can go into games like that, why don't Liverpool? And this is my biggest frustration with Klopp and the club. We should be walking in Old Trafford saying, we expect 3-0. You know Pep would. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I mean, Pep would walk away for a Man United game winning 2 0. Disappointed it's not like a 4 and 5. Yeah, Pep, Pep wasn't happy after the Crystal Palace game. That's a point. Yeah, we, have, we, we haven't even spoke about Man City. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. He said that after the game, we, I'm disappointed we didn't score more. Yeah, we weren't clinical that, enough. That, that, that big boy arrogance, you know, they know where they should be mm-hmm. type attitude. It can come across, when you win 2 now. it can come across, especially against a team like Palace. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no reason to see it against the Palace. But if you're playing a rival or a neighbour and your manager says that, you know, you're like, yeah, that's what I want to hear. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, I mean, that's my, I mean, I don't know what you think of it. Obviously, I know what you think about the, the situation, but I don't know what you thought of the game as a whole, because you actually watched, I assume you watched the full game? Yeah, well, I had one eye on it, I was doing other things, but I had it on, I thought, there's no, there's no way I, I can't watch this game, because Sky have hyped the shit out of it, um, but I kind of knew it wasn't going to be a great affair, um, Man United did look the better side, which which is weird to say, um, but again, they 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 didn't look like they were ever going to like roll you over, if you know what I mean, they looked like they were going to snatch a 1-0 win, like if they'd have won 1-0, even though I'd say they, they, as a team, performed better, I would have still considered it like a, a smash-and-grab kind of win. Because um, I'd yeah. say Liverpool didn't seem to turn up. And it is strange, because I say they were missing Salah, who hasn't had the greatest of seasons so far. He, you know, Mane has been your main man. Uh, obviously, he had a goal disallowed for, for handball by VAR, uh, which was rightly disallowed. Um, but what, for me, what's going to be interesting is with, with, you mentioned about Man United's next game. I'd be really interested to see what kind of setup they go into because if they don't, cha- if they if they just go switch back to their normal system in their next game, I, again, it's like you say, it's, it's going to all be for nothing because he's changed his system. He's got a result here. Man United fans are all over social media at the moment, delighted that they've got this result. You know. And then, yeah, it's do they kick on from from getting a one-one draw against Liverpool? Yeah, it's it's it, it's weird because you know Man United are poor. Liverpool again, I don't think they've been good this season. But I say you can't argue with their record. They've they've unbeaten all season, won eight out of nine games. I wonder the next game is very crucial for both teams. Now you know now we think about. It. I mean, this might be the result in performance. Liverpool need you know to give them a kick up and start performing. Mm-hmm. You know, start. We 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 really. I mean, I don't say I say it with a bit of arrogance here, but we kind of duty to give somebody a, a hiding. Well, hopefully, you know, if you want uh, again, if you want to stab your authority. Well, hopefully it's next weekend because you're playing Spurs at home next weekend. And our next five, including today, the five games we had coming up were pretty brutal, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, I'm so sure we've got Man City at the end of the five. So you've got Spurs, Spurs next weekend, followed by Villa away, uh, then followed by Manchester City on the 10th of yeah. November. So that's taking yeah. out European games. That's just league games, obviously. Uh, and then you go away to Palace, who are a team that you don't seem to like playing against. Yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a big. I mean, it's a big month coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, not obviously we've got to look at title repercussions obviously already but <laughs> Batman City one's the one we're looking at regardless yeah definitely um, I mean if you win that today's result doesn't matter and mm-hmm. you know you're back on course but um, yeah it's an interesting month but as you, as you see, you're, you're right taking it even on at the United thing I mean if Ollie goes back to the the four four two, shall we say and 
you know, brings all the players straight back in and just plays this traditional and then even if he gets a win with that, but like a scrappy, does it really do anything for them going forward? Uh-huh. They kind of need to, if this is what he felt worked in these players, they put in a fair amount of effort today, which is yeah, the yeah. first thing we could say in a, a while. So yeah, I mean... Yeah, they need to kick on basically, don't they? Kick on, use yeah. this as a platform and kick on for it, but... Will they? You know, they play Norwich next weekend, you know, that I think they'll just be expecting to win that one, as, as you know, Man United do sometimes have that arrogance about them, um, but they don't play with that arrogance that you mean, because I, I still maintain that this Man United team is terrible, like, McTominay, who I have praised in the past, is he, not the sort of, you know, he's not your midfield general, I don't know what Andreas Pereira does, like, he... he I think someone in the WhatsApp group said that they look like a group of competition winners. They look like a group of lads who've been out, been told they can go and play on the Old Trafford pitch, put a kit on, and run around at half time. Yeah, uh, like, I mean, we've criticised how bad John Henderson's been this year, mm-hmm. and we. But just before it, we did see player for player today. There's not a single player, Man United player, that gets sent to that Liverpool team. Yeah, yeah. well, Danny and Mills that, said that, did that thing in midweek, didn't he, where he, he picked his combined I, I, eleven. I, I, you can't agree with Danny Mills. No. What does he literally what does he know about football? Every opinion he's ever had, bar that one is just abysmal. Um, I can't believe he got so but, much grief for it though, because he's not wrong, is he? Like no one in that eleven gets in gets into the Liverpool team. And that's saying something because I say, Jordan Henderson I, I heard someone um they were talking I think it was Jamie Carragher today, they were asking about Emre Chan going to Old Trafford. And he was like, yeah, he's better than what Man United have got in, in the middle of the park at the moment. You know, I, I think we're pretending Paul Pogba's not there because he's injured. Um, so, yeah, he's a good signing for them. But then he turned around and he said, well, Emre Chan wouldn't get into the Liverpool first, you know, midfield at the moment. I'm thinking he probably would because Jordan Henderson's shit. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You know. This is, this is the thing. This is where, this is where the... I'm, I'm not even going to use the term, but this is where the... The Liverpool fans' arrogance and other descriptive words that I won't mention <laughs> um, comes into play. Emery Chan would walk into our midfield right alongside Fabinho. Mm-hmm. Um, we we signed Fabinho to replace Chan in that role. Chan was never a defensive midfielder. Mm-hmm. He never should have been. He was that kind of... He was the Xabi Alonso to Mascherano type mm-hmm. player. You know, he could drive with the ball. He, could, he was very... He was in, People seem to forget it. He carried us for a season. Yeah. Injured. He's seen out his contract. He was honest enough saying, look, I don't get what I want. I'm going to go elsewhere. I don't understand what the issue with that is. Yeah. Like, but... I think it's probably because he was paid, paid at centre-back for a while, wasn't he? Yeah, and, and he wasn't yeah, he wasn't comfortable there. No, absolutely not. I mean, <laughs> remember Raheem Sterling got played at right wing-back, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't worry too much about where Liverpool but look, if, if, if the price was right and we could get him, he, he, for me, get him back. He's, he would be still one of the best midfielders in the league. As you see, look, the, the the comparison on players, if you're talking on ability, of course there's an argument to put Pogba in there. Mm-hmm. But we're not. We're talking about on the way they've played. Yeah. But Henderson wouldn't be in there, of course. But then you're looking at it as a unit. Yeah. Um, and I would even dare say Mil- Milner, Henderson, and even one album. For me, all start for Man United right now. Yeah. Um, and De Gea has been abysmal for a season and a half, whereas Allison basically won every goalkeeping award there was last season. So, And that was the two that... Oh, the other one was Harry Maguire and 
in Matip was the other like, argument I said, but Matip's arguably been Liverpool's best defender this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and Harry Maguire, but Harry Maguire's the best defender in the world because he's the most expensive one. Oh, yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there's no, on player for player, there's by the Salah's been, there's nobody at Man United that's performed better. There's, there's no real argument to say that there's a player that deserves to go in over anyone. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think you're always going to have that arrogance about a rival, say. Yeah. You know I mean? There's not many fans. I mean, even you yourselves admitted, like, you know, there's Spurs have been a better team, but there's not many Arsenal fans who would say that, especially not in public anyway. Mm-hmm. But they, they always try to defend their own, especially when it comes to a rival. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to take. I mean... Danny Mills would have took some stick if it was the other way around and he oh, said definitely. every player at Man United was better as well. Hmm. Um, so, the moral of the story is Danny Mills deserves all the abuse <laughs> in the world um, but his team selection was right. Uh, so, how do you feel about the point though? In, in, the, in the, the big picture of the season? Ask me in May. Okay. Um, but right now I feel it's embarrassing in a way mm-hmm. and, and that's, that's the standard we've now set ourselves. Yeah. But a, a draw to Man United, if I, if, I, if we'd drawn to an Arsenal, uh, Chelsea, even Leicester, like the way they're performing and playing, uh-huh. I could deal with that. I could even handle a draw to like a, a plucky Burnley. Uh-huh. But we've literally said Man United have shown no character, they just, they're, they're weak. Uh-huh. And I just felt it's just one of those games and because it, it, it happens so often, I just, I'm so dejected and embarrassed, probably that's a strong word, but it really is, in a way. Like, I I just couldn't imagine a Man United in the position that we are in, and we were in Man United's position, coming to Anfield and playing like that. Yeah, I think, I think, so it, I, all... I think it shows of how Man United fans are celebrating it. I say they're all over social media at the moment, going on, it's the best result they've had in, in ages, you know, some of them, which is, I think it it shows that the position that they're in now, that they, you know, they've got a draw, which is a draw, you know, a draw. I think even last season, I think there was a couple of draws there where Man United weren't happy with that, you know, and, and but right at the moment they are. So yeah, definitely shows that the yeah, change in positions. I think it's as I said, like when when you first brought up the game, because this game is the game for fans. Like Man City can try and interject themselves as. You know, as the rivals, all they like to both clubs, but they really aren't. You know, they're they're the the, the most contested, if you say, like football and wise points wise for Liverpool now, and obviously United a couple of years ago when United were were up the top. But but the rivalry and the passion and the heat and the anger and the, the competitiveness is still Liverpool and United, and it, it shows today. Like I mean, even it was only a, a few years ago that we were sitting where Man United were and. Mm-hmm. You know, desperate to get that point or scraping a victory or so obviously well deserved victories in a lot of games, but they meant more than you know, you could handle losing the next game because you were still on that high as mm-hmm. such and it was it and I used to swag me off rotten because to me a win against United was more important than than say getting a Europa League place sort of thing at the time that we were mm-hmm. fighting for. And it was always that small club mentality I was told, Well now they're in the same situation we were. Uh-huh. Um, it's a very similar story that they're going to go through to what we did. So it's quite easy to go now that we're on the other side of it. 
Yeah. Uh, so ever so quickly then, as we somehow managed to forget to talk about Man City, uh, Man City took on Palace in the evening game on Saturday. I could ask Ross to edit this in so no one would notice we missed it. Um, but yeah, uh, Wayne Hennessy made his first Premier League start as their regular goalkeeper, whose game I can't remember uh, was injured. Uh, up until this point, Palace had only conceded one goal at home this season, which is quite impressive for them. Uh, but Gabriel Jesus' 50th Manchester City goal and a goal from David Silva, which was the, the assist from Sterling for Silva's goal. Phenomenal. Yeah, f- brilliant. It's great finish from Silva, obviously. But yeah, just that little flick. Uh, from from uh, Sterling was great. Uh, the interesting thing for this is that Man City decided they were going to play with no defenders at all, basically, as Fernandinho and Rodri started at centre back. Now I didn't realise this because I missed the first the opening couple of minutes, um, so I didn't realise until afterwards when I thought, "Hang on, John Stones has come on as a sub, so who's played in uh, centre back for, for Man City?" So I had to go and look um, because Rodri was still pushing forward like he was playing in midfield. Uh, I mean, Man City have played with no defenders all season. Yeah, ba- well, to be well, fair, Otamendi, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, do you know what? I, I, that's the thing about Man City. They really don't, unless you're going to attack them, you take the, they don't need defenders. Because mm-hmm. they spend so much time with the ball. That's why Rodri can get away with that. That's why, you know, they've got away with so much, really, in the last couple of seasons. Because mm-hmm. teams, are, they've got that fear. I think we mentioned that, uh, was it, were we on the week that, not Norwich beat them. Yeah, I think it was maybe me and you. And and it, I mean, it takes a brave team to attack Man City because everything has to go right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even Liverpool found that when we got the manager sending off, we lost five 0 to them, mm-hmm. um, or five one perhaps. Um, so it takes a brave team to do it. So whilst teams are going to sit back and even try and counter, it's very hard to do when you've got players like Sterling, um, Silva, Jesus. You know, who just press you can make you make mistakes, the ball comes back to you. And Rodri and Fernandino are probably two of the more better defensive midfielders mm-hmm. in the world. So playing at centre-back for a team who's not going to be attacked a lot isn't a big deal. Yeah, I say it, 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 uh, it, it, it's, just, it's just weird to see, isn't it? Uh, Palace had some chances, though, obviously. Uh, Edison made two really good saves uh, to keep them in the game. Um Ben Teke celebrated his new contract. Come on, he had actually—I think the best chance I've seen him having quite a while, as well. Was that this save that Edison made that was outstanding? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was unreal. Yeah, mate. Uh, the I took was—did you see Sterling tracking back and tar- I know it was a great challenge and such, but the tracking back for the—I think I want to say it was Mendy mm-hmm. that made a mistake and. Saha went down the line and Sterling trapped back like 50 yards. Yeah, he gets yeah. involved in everything, doesn't he? I, I, I honestly believe he's in, easily in the top five to ten players in the world. Yeah. Um, I, I just think he's phenomenal. And uh, and for the money that City paid, I still believe they got a bargain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he, he he's, he's such a different player. He really, really looks fantastic for City. He, he makes them tick, doesn't he? And even for England, he's he's the best player in that England squad as well. Yeah, hands down. I mean, everything that's good. I mean, I still think he makes a lot of decisions in the final third. Mm-hmm. Um, he takes the wrong option. But again, he's, he's only, what, 23, maybe 24? Uh, yeah, he's not that he's old. Not. Yeah, I don't know how old he is, but I know he's not that old, uh, really. Yeah, so I mean that. I mean, when you're talking in that kind of player, you, you, you always say the peak years and the better years are that 28 to 30 mark, don't you? So, 
what we're really seeing is the best years start to come of him. If mm-hmm. he can stay injury free, he, he does. He's not the party guy. He's a very homely guy. Um, the trajectory on him can only go up and up and up for me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah, that's it. That's all the games actually covered now. Uh, thank you for joining me, Ali. Not a problem as always. Um, it's been a hearty to, to slag Dave off now that he's, he's busy at home. <laughs> yeah, so I think I think Dave might be busy for another couple of weeks raising Newcastle's next number nine. Um, so maybe one of his children will be Newcastle's next record signing because by the time they're about eighteen years old, it'll be about time they made another one. Um, please, sir. <laughs> yeah, but both probably. Uh, p- pimp your socials, please, sir. I. I'm not going to lie, it's probably not worth following me, but it's Ali Thompson 84 on Twitter, and that's all I really have. Excellent. You can find us at Man on the Post on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of those things. Uh, anything else you'd like to go over before we leave, sir? No, I think that's it. I mean, I think that, that's, say, the VAR one we can talk about all day long, the oh, good yeah, to get right. And we just know that anybody's listening to us, but if anyone in the FA are listening, um, just. Get the referee to look at the screen. I think that's the biggest thing we can all agree on. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I don't think there's there's not many talking points really. Bar VR. Yeah, that's it. I said. I think I said before the the international break. I thought they. I thought the FA would use the international break as a time to get together and say, look, how's VAR work, worked up until this point? Uh, and because they, they've they've made tweaks to rules in the past in, in after international breaks. And stuff like that when they introduce new rules and whatever. So I thought they'd maybe like have a look at it. You know, they've got two weeks. Have a look at it. See if it's working. See what's not working, and just make a few adjustments. Obviously, they haven't made any adjustments so yet. So maybe when this uh, other international window that in November comes in, they can go from there. Then. Yeah, I mean, I don't think even rules need changed. Oh no, so, but uh, no, I'm just saying uh, in before they've changed yeah, rules. Absolutely. But, but yeah, just just change the way. You know, let the protocol. Yeah, get the protocols. Get them looking at the screens more, yeah. and and stop looking after your mates. And, and I mean, even if you don't want to delay the game, why don't like all Premier League teams have a big screen? No, no, they don't. No, they Is don't. That? No, there are two Premier League clubs that don't have a screen. Uh, where oh. for, uh, Old Trafford, amazingly, is one of them. Well, that, to be fair, because that's most of the corrupt decisions go for them, so they don't want to replay on the screen. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember what the other one is, uh, but I remember at the beginning of the season they made the FA made an announcement that VA because they weren't going to, they, they were like, we can't make uh, showing everything on the screen mandatory because not every right. Premier League team has a big screen. And I remember thinking like, oh, even I thought, is it going to be one of the newly promoted clubs or anything like that? And I'm thinking now Villa have got one. Um, and stuff like that. And they're like, yeah, Old Trafford doesn't have a big screen. And I'm thinking, it's the biggest stadium in the league. How can it not have a fucking big screen? But they've still got one of those, like, teletext fucking scoreboards. <laughs> fucking shit. Yeah, I mean, I think that may be the only way forward. You know, get teams to install them um, and do it that way so that if we didn't have to leave the pitch, you know, yeah. the same as rugby. Mm-hmm. I just think, if we're going to use VR, why are we not using rugby? as the prime example, who have used it for years, mm-hmm. who have got the, re- the referees mic'd up so you can hear them talking to each other. Um, it just, it just takes, the, I can't think of the word, I'm having a, had a long day, but, you know, it just, everything's out in the open then, there's no, we know what's been discussed, we know what's been said, we know reasoning for it, the NFL do it, American sports go away with it, rugby does it, just, it either needs to be all or nothing for me, and that's that's where VAR's biggest 
biggest letdown is, I mean, as I say, I, I can only go by the referee side of things, and I know how hard it is. And if I can get m- even more information, you know, it, it just makes your job so much easier. Yeah, I think, the, I think the thing is it's football, isn't it? And football has to do everything its own way. Well, especially especially FIFA. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, 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 as we know, they're, they're fairly corrupt to the people in the UEFA and that. Um, they're, they're, they're partial to the odd, you know, thing. And as you, you're right, you just want to do it its own way. It's like the, you know, it's the nation's game. It's that home, it's that ego, that arrogance, I guess. But, you know, if we want to improve it and we want to use VR, for me, we just need to use it more openly and see how it goes but yeah right well we, we could discuss this forever yeah we, we could we could be here <laughs> forever discussing so yeah thank you again for joining me it's an absolute pleasure to speak to you again uh, and we'll be back next week then for more VAR discussions I'm sure but in the meantime always remember to keep your man on the post <laughs>